Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. We are so excited that you are joining us for the show today. This podcast aims to explore a biblical life view in a conversational tone. Let's join our host and founder of Servants of Grace, Dave Jenkins, for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me today, I have my friend Megan Hill. Megan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dave. I should say welcome back to the show. We're off to a great start. Um, so can you please uh, catch us up on what's been going on in your life, marriage, ministry, and some of the current ministry projects you're working on since I think we talked about a year or so ago? I think it's been about a year or so. Yeah, that makes sense to me too. So this past year, I started working for the Gospel Coalition. So now I am an editor like you, Dave, and get the privilege of working with people and reading their material and helping them to find an audience for their material. And so that's been, that's, that's just been a great blessing to work for them. I'm still living in Massachusetts. My husband is the pastor of a PCA church here in Massachusetts. We have four children um, who continue to get bigger every day by the grace of God. I, we're going to be talking today about uh, my book, Contentment, Seeing God's Goodness, that came out in September. Um, and now I'm working on some various new projects. One of them is a book on the church uh, that Crossway is hopefully going to publish in 2020. But that seems like a long time from now. So yeah. It does. Well, that's awesome. Uh, wonderful. Uh, I, I love what you guys are doing at TGC. So thank you so much for, for your work and uh, enjoy, have enjoyed getting to know Jeff Robinson and uh, Colin Hansen I saw uh, in October. And uh, so that was uh, wonderful. Uh, can you tell us a bit about this latest work, Contentment, Seeing God's Goodness, why you wrote it and how you hope it's received? Sure. So this book um, is a 31-day devotional. So it's very short. Um, It's intended to be sort of a month of devotions for somebody who wants to grow in contentment and really who doesn't want to grow in contentment. I I think it's it's certainly something that I needed myself to think through, and I trust that it'll be beneficial to other people. Um, Just that it's so, so tempting, really, I think, for us every day to find things to grumble about, to find things to envy uh, from other people, to doubt the Lord's goodness in our life. And I just think it's really helpful even to set aside a period of a month, um, just to spend some time really focusing on this grace and how we can cultivate it in our hearts and be learn to see God's goodness in our lives. Yeah, we were talking before we recorded about traffic in LA and how awful it is. And and uh, uh, when it rained recently, uh, the it, I had to laugh. I was laughing hysterically actually because I'm from Seattle, and there was a it was trending worldwide. You know, there was rain in L.A., and I'm just like, really, people, really, like <laughs> you would not be able to handle this if it's in Seattle. And now I'm now I was complaining to you about um, just just off air before we recorded about uh, how it rains maybe like six or seven times a year, and I'm like a fully converted Californian. I'm I'm so ashamed from being from Seattle to, to admit that. But you know what? We're being honest. So there you go. That's right. I mean, I think if most of us are honest, you know, I don't know how many minutes we're awake in the day before we complain, you know, the the coffee is too cold or the weather we don't like, or the, you know, the meeting got canceled that we had rearranged our life for, or the traffic or the, you know, I mean, we just are, it's almost as if we're bent on finding things to be upset about. And I, that's true of me 
And I know you've admitted it's true <laughs> of you, and I think it's true of all of us, really. Yeah, that's very true. Well, as you were writing this devotional, um, were, what, what books did you find helpful? Oh, there's lots of great stuff about uh, contentment out there. That's one of the great things about writing a devotional is you can sort of just um, use the work that other people have done. I mean, citing them and quoting them, of course, but build uh, what I mean more is building on the work that other people have done. And I really feel like in this devotional, I'm just sort of standing on other people's shoulders and just putting it in a devotional format. Um, so, uh, you know, Melissa Kruger has written a book, The Envy of Eve, Finding Contentment in a Covetous World, which is really very helpful. And she goes through different biblical characters and how they're examples of uh, discontent and then contentment in different spheres of life can be applied to our lives, which is really great. Um, and then um, Jeremiah Burroughs is an older writer, a Puritan writer. He has sort of the classic on contentment. It's called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. And I first read The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment, I think, when I was a college student, and it made a huge impression on me at the time. I mean, he just goes through sort of getting to the root of why is it that we're complaining? Why is it that we're grumbling and envying and distrusting God and angry and bitter? And what What's the root of that? And how can we then cultivate this dependence on the Lord? And so I found him to be very helpful. And, you know, it's an old book. I mean, it's written in the 1700s, but it's just as applicable today as when it was written. Another shorter thing that I really appreciate and have appreciated for many years, the Westminster Larger Catechism uh, has a section on where it explains the Ten Commandments, and that whole section is really helpful because it goes through sort of what does each commandment require of us and what does each commandment forbid of us. And I think sometimes we tend to think of the commandments either one way or the other. Are they positive or are they negative? But in each one, it says, nope, there's things that the Lord is forbidding here. There are things that the Lord is telling you to cultivate here. So um, even just the Westminster Larger Catechism on on commandment 10 about coveting is very helpful when it comes to the study of contentment. You know, not only is the Lord forbidding us from coveting our neighbor's house and wife and cattle, but he's also commanding us to cultivate contentment in our hearts. Yeah, I think a lot of people probably wouldn't think of contentment through the lens of, of that and that and that way. So that's that's really helpful on, on a number of number of fronts. Um, as you wrote this devotional, were there any particular lessons you learned about contentment that you want to share with us? So when you're writing a book, the process of it goes something like you do all this research then you write you know everybody looks a little different but then you write the book then you turn it into the publisher then they make some edits and send it back to you then you fix it send it back to them then they do the proofs and send it to you so and then you send it back to them then you know so I'm as a writer, right? I had to read through this entire manuscript multiple times. And it seems like in the Lord's providence, every time the publisher would send it back to me to review it for edits or check for punctuation or whatever, would be a time when I really needed to read it again. And I felt like the Lord was saying, here, why don't you read this again? You know, it, it one time it was the, the roof of our house just sprung this tremendous leak and we had no idea where it was coming from. And there was water pouring into my dining room. And, you know, and that very day, you know, the publisher said, would you read through this and just check, you know, make sure it's the way it's supposed to be. 
yes, Lord, I'll, I'll read this about contentment. You know, <laughs> another time it was a, a situation I was having in parenting one of my children and it just seemed very frustrating and I wasn't sure, you know, what was going on, what was the Lord doing? And, and here comes the email from the publisher. Would you please read through this manuscript and check for this thing? And, um, so I just felt like throughout the pro, like it was so good for me to have to read it multiple times. And each time the Lord reminded me, I am doing these things to make you more like Christ. And each one of these things that's happening, that's going on, has the good end of serving to conform you to the image of Christ. And let me show you some of my goodness in that. And that was just so helpful to me, even though I had already read it multiple times, to be reminded again, yes, the Lord is doing a good thing here in this whatever leaky roof parenting situation, whatever it was at the time. Uh, I can relate to that in some ways, not with the book, but with Theology for Life. I have the I have the privilege of reading all the articles multiple times, and yeah. it's kind of like I feel like it's kind of when you were saying that I'm like, yeah, that, that's kind of the same thing for me. God wants me to really get the get the lesson again and again. Are you paying attention? No, you know, and it's interesting that you brought that up because I know in my own Christian life, I, I became a Christian at a very young age, at five, and there's been situations and things they just keep coming up, and God wants to keep. Rem- teaching me through those uh through those situations are, are we paying attention like you were talking about are we are we actually listening uh are we actually seeing those those things uh, in the way that you described it mm, probably if we're honest you know uh in, in our at our best moments maybe but probably not and the lord is gracious too in that he teaches us incrementally and he doesn't all at once tell us everything that's wrong with how we're thinking and acting and the way our hearts are oriented and just, you know, crush us at once by revealing, you know, all of our wickedness at once. But he, you know, he little by little shows us, okay, in this area here, I'm going to help you to grow. And okay, now tomorrow in this area, I'm going to help you to grow. And so we're not crushed, but we're, we're built up and little by little made like Christ, which I think is a, a kindness of the Lord. Amen. Amen to that for sure. How does cultivating godly desires help Christians to grow in contentment? Yeah, this is something that I really got to think more deeply about in writing this book, because I think sort of on the surface, if you say to someone, maybe if you had said to me at some point in my life, what is contentment? I think I probably would have been tempted to say it's an absence of desires. It's not wanting anything. Um, you know, if you could get to a place where you didn't want anything, you just had sort of this monkish existence of, you know, sackcloth and ashes, and you didn't want anything more than that and a crust of bread or something, then you would be content. Well, I don't think that's really what the scripture says. I think the scripture teaches us that we find contentment by having right desires, by wanting the right things. Those are the things that the Lord promises to give us, right? So when the disciples come to Jesus, for example, and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And then he responds with what we know as the Lord's prayer. Well, what's really going on there is the disciples are saying, tell us what we should want. And Jesus is saying, okay, these are the things you should want. These are the things you should ask God for. And then these are the things I'm going to give you. These are the things I'm pleased to give you. Daily bread and the honor of God's name and forgiveness of sins. And, you know, and so we find contentment by wanting what God would have us want and then seeing him fulfill those desires because those are desires that he's pleased to grant. Yeah, that's that's really good. I, I just think as you were talking, I'm thinking as well, you know, how many times in the Psalms does it say to wait on the Lord? And, right. and where is that our contentment is is tested in our 
having to wait on the Lord, you know, and uh, that's a good th- that that sh- is a good thing that we have to wait on Him because Godly character, these new desires that we have are being you know trained uh, and we're being formed into the image of of Christ, and that's that's good. That's good news. You know, we're not being crushed, as you said earlier, which you, you're absolutely right. We're not being crushed, but we're being helped to, to grow incrementally in, in grace. And there are so many things about the Lord's kindness and faithfulness that we might not learn if we didn't have to wait. You know, if we didn't have to persist in prayer, if we didn't have to have a deferred desire for just a little bit so that we could learn something about his kindness and faithfulness. Yeah, that's really good. In what way is thankfulness critical to cultivating contentment in the Christian life? Thankfulness is, um, is you know, sort of contentment in action, I think. It's, it's recognizing that God is good and giving thanks to him for the ways in which he has manifested that goodness to us. And I think it is when we are quick to be thankful, to give thanks in all circumstances, as the Apostle Paul says, that that is one way of training our hearts in contentment. When we realize the Lord has done so much for me and I am so thankful and the Lord has been kind to me at every turn and even rehearsing his past kindness. It seems like that was a a pattern uh, for the Israelites in particular, you know, sort of rehearsing the kindness of the Lord in the past, delivering them from Egypt, bringing them into the promised land, you know, and giving thanks for those things then enables us to trust the Lord for the future because he's been unfailingly kind to us in the past. We can count those ways. And so we can trust that in this current situation or in future situations, he's going to be the same. Mm, Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. One thing I was thinking about this morning is just thankfulness that relates to just encouraging, you know, being thankful and specifically telling somebody just to just to be you're thankful for them, how you're thankful for them, how you how you see, uh, you know, CJ Mahaney calls that evidences of grace. It's been called other things as well. Um, Sam Crabtree calls it uh, words of affirmation. I think it is. Um, can't remember the book, but yeah, just just specifically thanking somebody, you know, uh, or specifically, excuse me, encouraging somebody and, and just saying, this is how, what I see God at work in your life. And I'm just really thankful for that. Um, it's really life giving, very encouraging. And I think it's a practical outworking of just being thankful to God for uh, his grace. Absolutely. How have you learned to pursue contentment in specific life situations, such as with work, relationships, family, or even ministry opportunities? Yeah. So the second, not quite the second half, but the the second part of this devotional, the first part of it kind of lays a framework for contentment and what it looks like and how to have right desires and how to cultivate a thankful heart. And then um, maybe like the last 10 devotionals, are particular circumstances and each devotional deals with sort of a different circumstance where we might find it challenging, like you said, to pursue contentment, um, work and responsibilities, money and possessions, relationships and family, status and recognition, you know, so many of these different areas where we're tempted to discontent. I think each one has particular nuances associated with it. And I try to go to into some of those in the devotional itself. But I think the overall idea is, as we've said, recognizing that God is making us more like Christ, 
learning to cultivate desires that are rightly ordered, not just desires for selfish things or for comfort, but desires for God and his glory and big kingdom purposes and recognizing that he's using us for something beyond our own little circumstance. Um, and then cultivating a heart of thankfulness, even for his goodness in the midst of trials or in the midst of difficult circumstances. And then waiting, as you said, in patience, for him to answer our our requests and knowing ultimately uh, that they will all be re- they will all be answered on the last day and you know that that in eternity we will find all of our desires fully met in Christ and there will be nothing that is lacking at all uh, in eternity and we can set our eyes on on that as we pursue what's sometimes broken, sometimes lacking, sometimes troubling in this fallen world. Yeah, that's really good. I'll use a personal example. Uh, So I've sent in a number of book proposals and and got told, no, you're an excellent writer. Uh, Now's not the the right time, but uh, that book's already been written. It's like, well, um, I I don't think that that specific angle has been covered, but uh, okay. But that's really like discouraging to to, to somebody. It's like, how can I make this better? I want to know more. Tell me, you know, and you don't get it. And so that can be really uh, discouraging for a writer. That could be discouraging. Well, let's say um, I've, I've heard pastors being told, you know, your sermon sucks and these kind of things. And, and that's really discouraging. Same thing at work. Um, you know, your your work stinks. Um, you're doing a bad job when you think that you're doing a good job and you want to hear more, right? It's just really, really discouraging. And um, so I've had to learn. I've, I've been told not all of those things, thankfully. But <laughs> uh, that's not an invitation to tell me that either, by the way. Um, just to be clear. But I've had to learn. I've had to learn just to, you know, be be thankful. Find my identity not in those things that I'm doing, but more in Christ. That that's for all of us. True for all of us as Christians. And but it's so true. Just to find our hope not in the things that we do or anything like that, but just just in Christ. And so I've had to learn uh, the patience thing. Um, continue to learn. Continue to learn to be gracious. Continue to be thankful. Continue to be contentment. These are these are all things that. I continue to, uh, and I think we all should be praying and humility. All those things should be, we should be praying for uh, growth in all of those areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, How can pastors and ministry leaders help church members to learn to grow in contentment? Well, I think one of the best ways is for us to model it ourselves. And that when you're in a position of, uh, leadership in the church that you're living out an example, you know, um, first Peter, Peter tells the elders to shepherd the flock under their care as an example to them, you know, to, to live as an example before the flock. And so I think it's, you know, it's, it's even simple things like we've talked about before, you know, resolving not to complain about the weather, you know, everybody complains about the weather, um, or the traffic or the whatever, you know, that, that, when we intentionally refrain from those things, then we set an example that there's another way. Um, and, you know, even as you said before, of expressing thanks, not even just being thankful in our hearts, but I'm so thankful to the Lord for this thing that I see in you, um, that, that both of those are 
habits of godliness that are very small, but they, they, they affect change sort of in a culture of contentment. They promote sort of a culture of contentment when, when we refrain from complaining and when we're actively thankful for the things that the Lord has given us. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, I like how Jonathan, Jonathan Lehman told me once that, um, and he's just so incredibly insightful, um, that not only should we help people to understand the doctrine, but we should illustrate it. And he illustrated it by saying, you know, he invites people over to his house and guys over to his house and he, to help see how does a, how does a godly man, a, a biblically qualified elder, how does he um, interact with his wife, with his kids? And he invites guys over to, to see that. And I think um, that, that really struck with me because his point was, I think it's pretty obvious, uh, to provide, as you said, the illustration of what that looks like, what a godly life looks like. And I think um, in my experience in the church, which um, goes back since I was a kid, um, I don't think that we do that very well. Um, unfortunately, that's that's my experience, not speaking for other people's experience, but just providing good examples of what that looks like. And I think that there's a, there's a really a big need for that. I think we have a unique opportunity in the church too to rejoice with those who rejoice and. You know, I mentioned earlier the Westminster Larger Catechism on um, the Ten Commandments, but one of the positive duties that it gives for the Tenth Commandment, so don't covet is the Tenth Commandment, but one of the positive duties it gives is that we should um, further all the good that is my neighbor's. So that's sort of archaic language, but it, it means if, if your neighbor has a good thing, you should want him or her to have more of that good thing. And I think that's part of contentment, right? When I am struggling in my work, but I'm looking at the person next to me in the pew and they've just gotten a promotion, I can rejoice with them in that um, by the power of the Spirit. I don't have to envy them. I can share in their joy because in the body of Christ, there's a very real sense in which their joy is my joy. You know, when one member is honored, all rejoice. That's what the Apostle Paul says in Corinthians, right? So I can share in that person's joy as if it were my own joy, because it is in some ways my own joy. And so I might have a glum work situation, but but the Lord has blessed my friend and I can I can share in that and find contentment in that. Or, you know, if I have unwelcome singleness, if I have infertility, if I ha- have an illness, if I have, you know, the, the things that are weighing me down, I can look around me and share in the rejoicing of others who have a different situation. And and what a testimony to the world. You know, I mean, the, the world around us has no category for being able to find joy in someone else's rejoicing. Uh, but what, what a testimony to the power of the Spirit when we can do that and find our contentment not even in a change of our own circumstances, but but in the blessing that God has given someone else. Yeah, yeah. Seeing uh, one of my mentors called that having the seeing uh, uh, having the right perspective. He said that the Christian life is all about our perspective, and that uh, you just articulated that so well. So thank you. Thinking of a of a man and a man and a woman and a woman counseling each other, how should Christians counsel one another on topics related to contentment in the Christian life? So somebody comes to you, they're discontent with something, they would like their situation to change. I think first, you know, it's important to identify, is the thing that they want sinful? You know, because that that's an answer right there for you, right? Um, if what you want is inherently sinful, then you don't need to want that. And that kind of solves your problem right there. 
Um, you know, if you're discontent because you would rather be married to somebody other than the person you're married to, well, that's a sinful desire and you don't need to be discontent about that, you know? Um, but, but a lot of times our desires are not sinful. Um, they're, they're good desires. We are single and we would like to be married. Um, we are unemployed and we would like to have a job and provide for our family. Um, we have struggle with infertility and we would like to raise up children for the Lord. So a lot of times our desires aren't sinful. And then it's what do we do with those desires? And I think Part of it is recognizing that we can lay those before the Lord and that we can ask him for those things and that he loves to hear us when we ask for them. Part of it is recognizing that the Lord is still doing good things in us, even as we have those desires unfulfilled and that he still has good purposes to make us like Christ and to use us in his kingdom, even when we don't have the thing that we want. And then I think sometimes, too, it's lifting up our eyes from ourselves and seeing what is God doing elsewhere in the world? You know, I mean, I think sometimes there's nothing better for a quick, you know, help toward contentment than to read a missionary update and to pray for somebody who's laboring in another place. You know, God's work is being done and the kingdom is advancing and Christ is being exalted and people are coming to faith. And when we, sometimes all we need to do is just lift our eyes and see those things and learn to rejoice in those things. And then, you know, the promotion that I got passed over for just seems, seems very small. And it's easier for me to be content with that thing when I'm focused on the bigger purposes of God in the world. Mm, love it. Look up. You know, note, listen to what Megan just said. Look up from your circumstances. You know, for, that's such a good word for those who are discouraged and de- depressed. They might be listening to that. Look up from your circumstances. Look out at what God is doing. Even even ask somebody that knows you well, what is and they're a Christian. What is God doing? What do you see God doing in my life? And be encouraged by uh, their answer. And, and please, again, if that's you and somebody asks you that, please be specific about, you know, what you see uh, and and be very positive and encouraging because uh, that's what they're that's what they're wanting to, to hear. They're just a great answer. Thank you so much. So, Megan, as we wrap up this in, in conversation today, what are what are a few takeaways that you want people to take away on the on the subject of contentment? I think one of the, them is that we all struggle with this. That this is part of our fallen human condition. And so, if you struggle with contentment, you are not alone. This is not a strange thing that you would be struggling with this. Um, it also, that it's a good thing to want to desire that, and you know, it's something that can be learned. So, you know. That what does the Apostle Paul says? He says, I have learned in whatever circumstance I am to be content. And so it's something that the Spirit can teach us by his word, uh, with the help of his people, um, by intentional practice. We can learn contentment. And um, so if the Apostle Paul can tell us he had to learn it, then that can encourage us because we're going to have to learn it too. The great Apostle Paul had to learn it. Um, but it can be learned as well. And so it's not something um, that's that's impossible for us to attain to. And in fact, the Lord would have us to attain to it imperfectly in this life and perfectly in the next. But, but we should set our eyes on learning contentment. Mm, amen. Well, Megan, I, I always enjoy uh, interacting with you. I, I uh, find it to be very encouraging and, and life-giving. So thank you so much for uh, what you're doing at TGC and, and for your time today and for your continued excellent writing. I uh, just appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks so, so much for having me, Dave. You're welcome. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you were encouraged by today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. For more uplifting and thought-provoking content, please visit us online at servantsofgrace.org. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Servants of Grace and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Servants of Grace. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you next time.